Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and to those within the tomb, he is restoring life. Please stand. Friends, alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed, alleluia. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. And to those within the tomb, he is restoring life. Alleluia, 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 Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed, alleluia. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. And to those within the tomb, he is restoring life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you this night, uh, you who rose from the dead, conquering death by death. We ask that you would send us your spirit as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the scriptures that uh, we've gone through this evening have covered everything from the beginning, creation in Genesis, right on up to the resurrection of Jesus. Allow me to add one more short reading that stretches our timeline a little bit further. Past the present moment to the future when Jesus returns. And we who believe in Jesus will share in this resurrection experience. This reading is from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 50 to 58. I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. 
for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, then the mortal puts on, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I know for many of us tonight, it may seem a bit premature to speak of any sort of victory over death. And you've got a point. We are surrounded by death. 2,839,884. As of 3.30 p.m. this afternoon, that's the estimated number of people who have died from COVID-19 worldwide since the pandemic began. But even if you take the pandemic out of the equation, on average, the estimated amount of people who die every day is about 150,000. That's just over 6,000 every hour. Forgive me for bringing up death in this manner immediately after we have just joyously announced that Jesus has risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. But I think that we are a culture that is very good at denying the reality of death avoiding it until we absolutely have to face it. We romanticize it in movies. We chase after it in video games. We study it in museums or we watch it on the news. It's not until we're in a hospital or in an accident that we pause. And then often we panic. I lived for 18 years before I had my first meaningful experience with a dead person. It was my father. And I know I'm not the only one who's gone vast stretches of time not even attending a funeral, not giving serious consideration to death. Death seems to not really be on the radar uh, until it's something that flashes on the news. But then there are a few of us who bear the brunt of facing death. It's like we've tried to outsource it. There's first responders, doctors, nurses, paramedics, nursing home workers, funeral directors. And they've been under incredible stress this year. Perhaps this is why this pandemic has been so deeply unsettling. More than the disruption of routines and the lack of social contact and the political unrest and the financial instability, they're all very important concerns that I don't want to dismiss or belittle. But on top of all of that is that death has been thrust into our faces. We can't ignore it. Even this week, we have uh, the murder trial uh, in the wake of uh, George Floyd. That's going on. There was an attack on the Capitol again yesterday. There's a possible third wave of COVID that is being talked about. So what do we do about that? For those of us who follow Jesus, we have a hope that allows us to face death without despair. 
In fact, we can face death with hope. And it is rooted in what Jesus did when he died and rose from the grave. In our Anglican tradition, there is a prayer service called Compline, which is a short prayer before bed. It's a time of prayer before bed. And I came across one prayer in that service that has stuck with me over the years. It begins with these words. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who at this evening hour didst rest in the sepulchre, that's the tomb, and that didst thereby sanctify the grave to be a bed of hope to thy people. Sanctify the grave, that is, to set apart the grave for God's purposes. And God's purpose is for the grave to be a bed of hope. How do we face death with hope? By hope, I don't mean I hope death is quick and painless, or I hope that things get better soon and we can move on to just living life. What I mean is a sure confidence that eradicates fear. We can look death straight in the eye and laugh. This is where this additional reading that I read uh, from 1 Corinthians 15 comes in for us. It is at the end of a rather lengthy letter that Paul has written to the church in Corinth where Paul's been explaining why Jesus was resurrected and how we will have resurrection bodies that are like his when Jesus returns to set things right and make all things new. Jesus was the first to be resurrected, and all who die entrusting themselves to him will share in the hope of a new physical resurrected body, not subject to death or decay. But in the meantime, that's the time that you and I still live in, death is still a present reality. You know that, I've already belabored it. So I want to focus on Paul's mockery of death, verses 54 and 55. Paul is giving us a vision of what to look forward to. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? Paul's actually quoting a couple of Old Testament prophets here, Isaiah and Hosea. He's picking up on the great hope that Isaiah expresses that one day God will swallow up death and wipe away all the tears of all people. But Paul quickly turns from Isaiah's great hope to Hosea's taunting of death itself. Where is your victory? Where is your sting? The fact is that for those who belong to Jesus, death is basically a fangless snake trying to gum us into submission. It's like a scorpion trying to attack us, but its tail has been hacked off. That's the image Paul gives us. It's a laughable, ludicrous image. Why is this so? What makes something so serious as death laughable? Paul explains it in the next verse. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The sting, the fangs, the thing that causes the fear and isolation and finality of separation is sin. And sin, it's rebelling against God, turning away from the source of life. That's what leads to death. That's what we saw in our reading, our first two readings in Genesis. Adam and Eve take things into their own hands, 
And the result is they're banished from God's presence and now face the prospect of death, finalizing that separation. And we all follow in their footsteps. But with Jesus, sin is dealt with by his death on the cross and his resurrection. Paul tells us elsewhere in the Bible that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Sin separates us from God and leads us to death. But when Jesus rose from the grave, he broke that power of death. Jesus dies our death. It's like when Jesus rose from the dead, he broke death. It doesn't work right anymore. It's no longer effective. He crippled it. For those who entrust their life to Jesus, that sin is washed away. And while we still experience death, until Jesus returns at least, we now look forward to death giving way to new bodies in a restored creation in the presence of Jesus when all things are made new. Death has been transformed. Death still exists. We still face death every day. But for those who belong to Christ, we have nothing to fear. The effect of death has been transformed. Rather than separating us from God and all that is good, we find that we will be resurrected like Jesus. Death is defeated. In a few moments, Jonathan is going to be baptized. Baptism, it's a symbolize, symbolizing the way Sorry, baptism symbolizes the washing of sin. The dying with Jesus and being raised to new life. Jonathan, you are free from the power of death. All of us who belong to Jesus are free from the power of death. This frees us all from the fear of death. Because death is transformed into the hope of Jesus with us, of our bodies restored to be like his incorruptible and imperishable. So we can actually laugh at death with the words, O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? That's where things are headed in the end. And this doesn't mean that we don't feel the pain of death or the mourning that comes from separation and the pain, but it means we do not fear death and we can face it with hope. Death is not the last word. Just as Jesus rose from the grave, so we too will be raised up to new life. And freed from the effects of death, we can live differently. If you belong to Jesus, this is our hope. And just before we get to the baptism, let me conclude with the prayer that I referenced earlier. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who at this evening hour didst rest in the sepulchre, and didst thereby sanctify the grave to be a bed of hope to thy people. Make us so to abound in sorrow for our sins, which were the cause of thy passion, that when our bodies lie in the dust, our souls may live with thee who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. Hello everyone, my name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. 
And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.